0: The Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. So how do you pick an investment? Do you take a dart and take the share price page, print it off the internet or take it out of the newspaper? Do still put share price pages in newspapers? They probably don't, actually. I haven't noticed. Um, But you throw a dart at a piece of paper with names on it. That's proven to be quite a successful strategy over many years, and at times you used to play that game many years ago. And um, when you look at companies and you say, geez, that's a great business. My goodness gracious me, they do nothing wrong. Their governance is brilliant. They've got great chief executive. They've got great executives. They've got phenomenal products in ex- excellent markets. They are just dominant and excellent, I'm going to buy those shares. And you could have done that this time last year and bought some exceptional shares, or some exceptional businesses rather than shares, let me be specific. You could have bought Google. You could have bought Meta. You could have bought Apple. You could have bought Netflix. You could have bought some really brilliant businesses and lost half your money since then. Moran Ingram. Help me here, please. Warren is a director at Galileo Capital. Warren is a personal financial advisor. Why is it that good companies, great businesses, dominant businesses, profitable businesses often make
1: terrible investments? The, the, the part of the reason is, is around the price that we pay for those businesses. So you know, no, no question in my mind, as a as a, a rather um, locked in Apple client that I think Apple makes great products I mean I've, I've had their first phone I've got their, their most recent phone and I'll probably have their phones until I can't phone anymore but but that doesn't mean necessarily that Apple the business the share, uh, is is always trading at a great price. What well, one has to be really careful, you know when you when you kind of get locked into the story of a company that you don't get locked into the price of the company um, and and say to yourself, well, you know, at any price, this is a fabulous share to own because unfortunately we we all get attached to 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 the story. And if thousands of us do that um, you know many times in a year, for example, we could be pushing that share price up. Way beyond the the actual value that that company is really in, um, really worth, and and certainly you know if we if we go through the, the the sort of second half of 2020 when when we saw you know a whole lot of the tech businesses just you know their, their share prices just rocket, there wasn't necessarily a, a value underlay in in that rise of the price because unfortunately what happened was we got emotional about those shares and and we you know we we believed that. Know, lo- lockdown had changed the way we were all going to behave forever, and the the almost the sole beneficiaries of of that change in behaviour were these these fabulous companies that make fabulous products, you know, have a fabulous ecosystem, and and they were just going to grow up in in value, you know, ad nauseum forever. Uh, unfortunately, that's not how markets work. That's not actually how how the weighing machine of of the stock market works. The the stock market works on buy things which are, yes, maybe good or, or even fabulous businesses, but but you need to buy them at a low price and then you need to hold them for a long period of time so that you can get a real big benefit out, out of buying that, that great business at a low price and then let, let it uh, un- unlock value through the price growing up and also dividends that are being paid. Uh, and I think there were, you know, uh, there's a, a an economist called Dion Choss who wrote a brilliant piece on, on this. And I want to just steal one thing that he said. And, and in that piece, he wrote, uh, he said the best performing company over the last thirty five years uh, is is something that you know that that none of us would really um, immediately jump to, and it was a hardware business in America that's called Lowe's, and and Lowe's is the the second biggest hardware chain in the world, and and over a thirty five year period the best performing share of all of, of any share you can find uh, you, know, you know on on the US on the US market now I mean, I love myself a good hardware store. I like going in there and wandering around and looking at all the tools, and and you know, it's 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 exciting for me. But but I suspect I'm in the minority compared to people who get excited about you know new computer games, new uh, new phones, new gadgets that are going to change the world. You know, self-driving cars, renewable energy, all of those things, all of those are exciting things that are probably going to change the world. But the companies that make those things might not be fabulous investments. A company like Lowe's that just sells, you know and hammers and uh, screws and all those things, you know, really mundane, really boring uh, in, in terms of the products has been the best performing share. And, and to give you an idea, Bruce, uh, you know, $1,000 in that share 35 years ago is, is worth $327,000 today uh, and some change. Compare that to to the businesses that have been changing the way we do everything, and and you can find most of those businesses in the Nasdaq index. You, you just mentioned, I'll uh, have lost you some some decent money over the last year, but but over the last few decades, that's not true. And and a thousand dollars in the Nasdaq uh, thirty five years ago gi- gives you around one hundred and forty one thousand dollars. So so co- contrast that, you know, and just say to yourself, you know, more than doubled my money buying a hardware store. No, nothing more than that it's a great it's a fantastic hardware store but it's a hardware store that's that's what they do they, and 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 it doesn't have the most exciting story it's it's not necessarily going to be anyone's first choice uh you know thing to talk about uh, around the bra or you know around the dinner table about this brilliant business that's that, that they've bought yet that is the share that one should have bought um, and, and i think it's a important lesson for us that we, we can't get married to, to the businesses that we love in terms of their underlying business as opposed to actually the share. And and the share is l- always going to be about the price and how hyped is that share or how unhyped is it? How unloved is it? Uh, and, and to me, that's the core lesson out of the last few years. And, and it goes down to this entire quite boring argument and
0: quite academic argument between what's better, growth investments or value investments? And I think it's been proven time and time again that value is the best way to go. It's the Warren Buffett principle. What did he say? Price is what you pay, value is what you get. And you, you you wait for great companies to fall on you know, cyclically hard times, perhaps or for some investors to lose faith in the businesses. But as long as you're sure that the business still has a reason to exist, it's still got its place in the market, it's still being run well, and it's just because a handful of investors have fallen out of love with it, that is the time to pounce. That is the time to buy. Um, and, you know, so you know, companies like Netflix and like Meta and Google and the ones that we mentioned, the Fangs, if you like, um, that was so popular 12 months ago, it's very hard to find a reason to buy those companies today because everyone's so negative about them and negative about their outlook. And that's precisely the sort of time where smart investors sharpen pencils or, I don't know, get their bits and bytes in order and do their spreadsheets um, and really figure out what the right price is to pay for a business and then wait patiently for the price to get to where they want it to be before investing rather than getting caught up in the hype.
1: Yeah, and I think you know the, the the hype is a is a real problem now because we've always all markets have been subject to hype. You know, you go back centuries ago, and the hype was people shouting and screaming on trading floors, but but the the the, the difficulty we have now is that that hype arrives on our phones, um, you know, on, and and our other devices. Uh, you know 24 7 if we're awake we can we, we are subject to the hype you know when we open up any kind of social media platform we, you know that hype is being boosted at us by yes by our friends or by our communities that that we subscribe to uh and unfortunately a lot of those people i can remember i think also 2020 or 2021 some kind of teenager you know t- taking warren buffett on, on social media and saying that you know he's a far better investor than warren buffett will ever be because you know he's bought the meme stocks he's bought the you know the game <laughs> et cetera. And um, Warren Buffett is clueless and doesn't know about the world as it is today. Uh, and, and that got huge attention. Uh, and, and people followed that you know, kid b- because of, the, of his following, not, not because of his knowledge or his in-depth uh, understanding of markets and businesses, but, but because he's a, he's a social media guru. And, and social media gurus might be great investors, uh, uh, who, who am I to tell you? But what I certainly know is not all social media gurus are great investment people. Absolutely
0: right. Thank you, Warren. Um, got a question. I think it's a bit of a red rag to a bull question. And the question this evening, give you a moment to calm down once I've read it, and then I'd like a, an answer without too many expletives, if possible. Um, says our correspondent this evening, with load shedding and all the negative news around South Africa, I want to invest directly offshore. I've heard of brokerage like Interactive Brokers and Robinhood, Can I get access to these? Are these things important to consider in choosing an offshore brokerage? There's a good question, actually. Don't swear. No biting, no scratching, Warren Ingram. Your answer in a moment. The Money Show. Personal finance with Warren Ingram. So what about an offshore brokerage, Warren Ingram? Is it necessary? Is it a good idea to get an offshore broker to, to
1: run your money? Um, I, I think it's maybe to distinguish between the two. So, so the one is, you know, having a place where you can buy your shares or exchange traded funds, and, and then and then having a, a human or nowadays a machine to actually do the buying and selling on your behalf. So, so I, I mean, I think you know, people looking for a, a global home for in their investments make, makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, and, and you know, nowadays with with exchange traded funds that are are so diversified, so cheap, you know, it just just buying one, if you want to do that on your own, it, it's actually quite simple to do, and and then what you're looking for when you when you're doing that is you're looking for a brokerage that where where the, and the jargon for it is their domicile. So where does the brokerage live? Because that's really important to you as an investor, and, and what you need to do there is you need to make sure that that brokerage is in a place like Guernsey, Jersey, Isle of Man, or or the country of Ireland, or or a place like Switzerland. Because all of those countries won't charge you additional taxes if you're a tax resident in South Africa. And, and really importantly, they, they will look at uh, South African will and South African letters of executorship if you are unlucky enough to die w- w- without your investments being uh, sorted out on the other side. And, and to me, those are two really important uh, you know, characteristics to look for in a brokerage. In addition, you know, making sure that you, you can transact easily, so the online access is simple um, and and stuff that you understand, that you know how it works, and and clearly costs of of transactions are are, are also really important. Looking for a global uh, uh, broker, so somebody to actually do the buying and selling on your behalf and, and managing portfolios for you. Uh, I, I mean, I think history's proven that uh, that, that South African. Uh, 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 fund managers and asset managers are are almost equally good i want to say um you know managing global money for for south africans as as internationals are so so i'm not that married to that idea but for people wanting to do it themselves uh you know opening up a global brokerage you know but by all means i think it's a good idea i'm not convinced i would do robin hood because that's in america uh, and and there, there, if you die, you, your estate's going to pay a heck of a lot of estate duty, about 40% on anything over $60,000 in America. And that just doesn't make sense to me. So, so I Did, would avoid you, American look, brokerages. That, that point is
0: so, so important. And it's the most important thing. I mean, there are, lots of, there are tons of people who will take a small proportion of your money to facilitate transactions for you. That is not the problem. The problem is how easy it is. Um, and how if you're ignorant of tax regulations around the world, and if you don't understand the uh, jurisdictions that you're going into, you can do yourself a lot of harm over a long period of time by the fact that you simply think, I'm doing the right thing, I've got this great brokerage account with this New York-based stockbroker, aren't I clever, boy oh boy. And over time, your portfolio grows in value, and uh, you come to an untimely death before you sought uh, professional advice, and suddenly uh, your, your beneficiaries realize that you've done the dumbest thing ever. You've done them a huge injustice. Yes, you've seen enormous growth over 20, 30 years, but suddenly they stuck with a 40% tax bill because you didn't follow Warren's advice and put um, stuff into the remaining tax havens that exist in the world. And they exist to give protections um, to
1: global citizens absolutely. And and I think it's, you know, it's an important point. Those are the ones I've just mentioned are really highly regulated. You know, they're they're certainly not designed to to avoid uh, or to stop people paying tax. It's just to avoid double taxes, for example, and unfair taxes. And secondly, to give you you know r- r- certainty and comfort that the regulations of those jurisdictions are good enough to protect you if something were to go wrong with, with fraud or or something like that where you can rely on the, the the regulators in those countries to look after your interests as 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 you would expect some of the other jurisdictions won't do that and i think that you know that 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 really bothers me so if you are going to do this, domicile or jurisdiction are the two words you're looking for, uh, and and just make sure that you, you do your homework on those before you get all, you know, all excited about the functionality of the app and the, all the graphs it can draw for you. That's not helpful when you're dead and your estate is paying 40% estate duty. Because some of the stuff is so sexy. It really is absolutely
0: user-friendly. It is accessible. It democratizes investment. It does so much that is good, and that's brilliant. But it may not be the right thing for you to do. So please be very, very careful. Quick question for you before I let you go. Um, we hear about cyclical stocks. Please explain
1: to me what the term cyclical stock means. So, so uh, shares—another uh, word for stocks—is shares. So, these are shares um, in, in companies that perform in line with the economic cycle. So, in other words, if the economy is booming, then you'll find that cyclical shares will 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 boom alongside that. Their share prices will do well because those are the companies that make a lot more profit when 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 the economy is going very well. Uh, usually, they move slightly ahead of the economy. So, if it's anticipated that the economy will do well, then cyclical shares will start to to jump in price before the economy really goes very well and equally when people start to become fearful about the economy stagnating or going into recession which is what's happening in america now people are worried about that then cyclical stocks or cyclical shares will be the first ones to fall over and to start to really lose value because you know again people are anticipating that their profits are going to collapse uh, and so so you know, not bad you know these will often be very nice businesses and good businesses to own but what you don't want to do is have an entire portfolio of only cyclical stocks, because then you will be living in the, the economic boom and bust cycle that does affect markets forever. And, and it's a really uncomfortable place to be. Okay, thank you, Warren Ingram.
0: Warren is a Director of Galileo Capital. He's a personal financial advisor and a very regular contributor to The Money Show.